You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. Wait a second. That's the entire point of this text this morning. That Jesus did not leave me alone, but that he gives himself to each of us, okay? That he gave himself and gives himself continually to each of us. We are not without a helper. We are not without a uh, counselor, an advocate. We are not alone. There's a couple things that I'm going to point out during the course of the sermon this morning, all right? And it relates to words. I don't like digging into words and the meanings of words unless it's simply to make things more clear. Unfortunately, in our passage this morning, we're going to have to make things a little bit muddy before the dirt settles to the bottom and the water becomes clear again, all right? And it's going to happen right here at the very beginning. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 15. Now, some of your translations may say, obey my commandments. Some of them might say, obey my words. These are not bad translations. These are good translations. And yet, we also need to understand what's going on behind this word, keep or obey. One of the difficulties that we run into is that uh, this word for uh, keep or obey, it's, even though it's in Greek in our New Testament, it's going back to the Hebrew language, all right? And this is what the Old Testament was written in. And the real difficulty here is that in Greek, you have a very much more law-oriented language of obeying. Whereas in the Hebrew you had a language of guarding, holding on tightly to, clinging to. So now we get to Jesus' words and we do actually have to make a decision. What exactly is he talking about here? Is he talking about every command that he's ever spoken? Maybe, yeah. But there's a difficulty because right there at the beginning of verse 15, he says, if you love me. And this then seems to be out of character with everything that Jesus has been teaching us in John 13 till the very end of John. So what exactly is he talking about? Well, if you love me, here's what we want to say this morning. You will hold tightly to my commandments. We could even be more general there and say, you will hold tightly to my word. Now, this is not to say that we shouldn't be obedient to God's calls and commands to us, all right? We should do that. But Jesus is also wanting to, we can acknowledge that, he's also wanting us to move on to something else right now, all right? And so we want, we want to actually hold on to this language of holding on tightly to, okay? Of, of keeping close to you, his words, and his commands. So if you love me, you will hold tightly to my commandments. Now, specifically, we could and we should turn back to John chapter 13, verses 31 to 35, 
And Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's speaking specifically about a command that he gives to them. Love one another. In fact, from here on through chapter 17 of John, Jesus is going to keep going back to this. Love one another as I have loved you, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And he keeps repeating this phrase over and over and over again. So what is the specific command or word that Jesus has given to his disciples that he's saying, if you love me, you will hold tightly to this, love one another. But in saying that, we also have to acknowledge that Jesus is saying, you can't properly love one another unless you have also received my love. Um, Elsewhere, Jesus teaches us about love. Uh, So I need some some interaction here, okay? John chapter 3, what does Jesus teach us about love? How does he define love in John chapter 3? For God, good, what does he give? His only son, that's right. So what is love in that passage? The giving of his only son. Now, Jesus is speaking in, uh, in the way of a teacher to Nicodemus in that passage. What he doesn't say to Nicodemus is, I am that son. I am the Messiah given for you. Though we know, reading John's gospel, that that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Later on, in chapter 15, uh, Jesus says, There is no greater love than what? Huh? Oh, I'm just hearing mumbles. That a friend, or that, that, that you lay down your life for a friend. Yeah? So, John is actually defining love for us. And it relates to death and sacrifice. Okay? It relates to death and sacrifice. Let's keep going here before I get too lost in the weeds. If you love me, you will hold tightly to my commandments. And one specifically that we know that Jesus is talking about is this issue of love. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now, in John's gospel, Jesus has already told his disciples many times that he's not going to be with them forever. And yet these words are probably still sounding a little bit strange to the disciples. They're not quite believing what he has to say just yet. This word helper here is the other word that we need to battle with this morning. Um, There's no good way to translate this word. Uh, In the Greek, it's paraclete, and that also comes directly out of the Hebrew. Um, You could say helper. You could say counselor. Um, That is someone that's helping to sort out problems between two people. Um, You could say advocate. Someone that is stepping up and speaking on your behalf. But more specifically here, we're not talking about the, the idea of advocate as lawyer. All right? That's not what God the Holy Spirit's doing here. We're not talking about God the Holy Spirit having to step in and argue in your defense against God's law. That's not the kind of advocate we're talking about. Simply someone that's going and speaking on your behalf. 
right? Um, another word that your translations might have is comforter. This is also a good word. Um, all of these words are good, and that's the problem. It's all of these words, okay? What do you do when you have one word that means many words? I don't know. I think you just throw them all out there and you have to deal with it. And the problem is I can't deal with each and every word in the context of the passage. So as we're going along, who is this helper that Jesus is going to send or that the Father will send? Well, this helper is comforter, counselor, advocate, even the spirit of truth. Hey, we learned last week. What is truth? Who is truth? Jesus is truth, right? And so we know that John, we know that Jesus is talking about God, the Holy Spirit here. And yet Jesus is also wanting to show his disciples, just as he's taught them many times, yes, he is truly God. (laughs) He's saying that there is another coming who is also truly God. He's the spirit of, of me, of truth. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Or maybe another way that this could be translated is he is in you already speaking to his disciples. Um, He abides. He sticks with you. This word dwell here, that's what it means. We think of a dwelling, we think of a house, we think of a place that you actually like to go and stay. And God the Holy Spirit is going to do that. He's going to abide with you. And then verse 18, why? Why is all of this going to happen? Because I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, for the disciples, this timeline is getting really mixed up, okay? Why do, actually, here's a good question that we need to answer. Why am I preaching this passage after Easter? Well, look, you guys are cheaters. You've read some of your Bible before. You know what happens. You know that it's all about Jesus, that all the promises of God find their yes and amen in him, that we're looking toward that resurrection, And yet, um, if we were reading in order, we would be just as confused as the disciples were. Now, after Easter, we know what's happened. We know the end. And so now Jesus is taking us, or rather John, as we're reading here, we're we're reading with the end in mind because we know what's going to happen. And so here Jesus says... um, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, to which the disciples are thinking, aren't you going to be with us forever? And then even more confusing, he says, "Um, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He doesn't say the helper will come to you or the spirit of truth will come to you. I will come to you. So now Jesus is saying, I'm leaving, and I won't be back with you forever but I'm going to send another who will be. Also, I'm leaving and I'm coming back. This is very confusing. This is very confusing. And yet, we can actually understand that 
we take him quite literally here. He is coming back. He is going to leave, and he is coming back. And then we also know that he is going to leave again at the ascension. That is, as Jesus goes back to be at the right hand of the Father. That's this week. And when we think about that, like, let's be honest, it's kind of a bad plan, right? It doesn't sound like a good idea. Why would Jesus leave them? We can't answer that right now. But in verse 18, when he says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. This sounds like something that we've already heard in the Easter season several times. Do not fear. Or do not let your souls be fearful or troubled. This also echoes back to Deuteronomy chapter 31 when Moses writes the words of God to us and he says, He will not leave or forsake you. That's actually as Moses is getting ready to depart. He's led God's people for so long in the wilderness, they are thoroughly convinced that they can't do it without Him. And what does He say? I'm leaving. But He, that is God, will not leave or forsake you. Jesus is saying something very similar here. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. (laughs) Once again, confusing our timeline a little bit, but what's Jesus saying? You're not going to see me, and then I'm going to be back, okay? <laughs> I will be resurrected, and you will see me. And this is an interesting part. So, but you will see me because I live. We could put that together, okay? We can also put this together. Because I live, you will also live. All right. So, you will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. And because I live, you also will live. Here Jesus is once again, in a hidden way to his disciples, but in a clear way to us, comforting us about the truth that we are in the resurrection. That when we are in Christ, when he is in us, we are in the resurrection from the dead. Because he lives, we too have the guarantee of life. Because he lives, we know that we too will live forever with him. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them close, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and make myself known to him. Some of your translations, uh, there's another word I forgot, but it might say manifest there. Uh, It's an okay word, um, but we should break that word down just a little bit more, all right? Uh, You could say it like this. um, If we were to say it in the most literal way, uh, I like make myself known. Uh, In the most literal way of understanding it, you could say, I will manhandle you. (laughs) and I will shake some sense in you, and I will make myself known to you. This is what Jesus is saying. When he says, I will manifest, many hands, okay? I will manifest, I will shake you into good sense. I will make myself known to you. How is he going to do this, though? 
How is he going to do this? We know already. And this is why when we read this word command, it's important now why when we read this word commandments, both in verse 15 and verse 21, that we're not simply thinking about the law of God. We're talking about Jesus' word to us now. Okay? How is it that Jesus is going to make himself known to us? That he's going to grab a hold of us and let us know who he is and what it is that he has done for us? He's going to do that through his word. This is why he encourages us now twice to keep those commandments close, to keep that word of him close, to hold on to it tightly. Because that word changes you. That word, for lack of a better way of saying it, guarantees us that we that he is in the Father and that we are in him and that he is in us dwelling, right? That's what Jesus said the spirit of truth is going to come and do. He's going to abide with us. He's going to dwell with us, in us. And Jesus says, this is how you are going to know that you are in me and I am in you. All right, anchored. It's a simple text, okay? A couple of difficulties with words, but we need to do a little bit more work here to understand what this passage means for us this morning. A couple of things we've actually already gone over. Think back to our psalm. That in the midst of sin, in the midst of trial and tribulation, what, when we look to God and seek Him, and uh, ask Him for help, rather, Does he turn away? Does he run away from us? No. The psalmist tells us no. That's not what's happening. How about Paul when he's in Athens and uh, he knows his task. His task is to preach the good news to the Gentiles. And yet he is in a place that is so lost inside of itself, carving all sorts of idols, as Paul insinuates, in their own image that they can't lift up their eyes to see that there is an unknown God that they have forgotten about and that Paul's there to tell tell them just exactly who that God is. See, there, Paul needs to know that he's not alone. (laughs) He needs to know that he has not been orphaned and left out hanging, okay? And God actually comforts him in that. People are converted. People come to faith. They believe. What about in our 1 Peter passage this morning? That, as we confess so often, Jesus not only goes to the cross for you, but he descends to the place of the dead and he appears to his disciples afterwards to let them know that this was all real, that it was all true and that the resurrection of the body is true for them as well. We get that guarantee that we are not left alone, that we are not orphaned. Instead, Jesus goes to the greatest extents 
extent, <laughs> I can't speak this morning, to the greatest extent to give all of himself to us, to promise all of himself to us. Even the guarantee of abiding in and with us forever through the Holy Spirit, through that spirit of truth. How are we going to know that that's real? Is it going to be by uh, uh, an itchy feeling inside of us that we just we just know? Or is it going to be like Jesus encourages us through that holding tightly to His Word? Anchor Baptist Church, I think uh, Tara, this is one of Tara's favorite lines, but you know, I try to be a little bit more gracious. No, I'm joking. Uh, this is one of Tara's favorite lines, um, and I forget who she heard it from, but uh, it's in relationship to the Christian and the church. And uh, it, it goes something like this. I'm probably going to mess it up. But if you are married, okay? Uh, wives, we'll say wives right now. Uh, if you're married and your husband never comes home. Are you married? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There might be a ring on the finger, but I don't know. I don't know. Hey, hey, Christian, look. Um, if you claim Christ and yet you refuse to be a part of his body, what are you doing? Right? Why is it so important to be a part of Christ's body, the church? Is it so we can be part of a club? No. Why? Yeah, we belong to Him. Right? And, and He has words to give to us. Things that we need to hear. How does that faith come? It comes by hearing, right? Where's the surest place that you know you can come and receive God's Word. I hope that you know, other than opening up your Bible, that's pretty sure. I hope you know it's, it's right here with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? And so, this is what Jesus is telling us to do this morning. It's why, as a church, um, it might seem repetitive, and yet it's why we stay focused on just this Word that's in front of us. It's why we stay focused on each of those readings each and every week. It's because we are told to cling tightly to that word because it's through the hearing of that word that faith comes. If we come to one another like I was feeling on basically Monday through Friday, I am not feeling this passage. <laughs> I, I am not sensing that God the Holy Spirit is speaking to me through this passage right now, only to realize, oh wait, that was God the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Right? Where am I going to find Jesus at? Where am I going to find that continued faith that I need to keep on receiving so that I can just keep on believing and staying healthy in the faith through God's Word, right? And so, 
If you love me, you will hold tightly to this word where you know I am at for you, Jesus is saying. If you're ever to a place where you're doubting whether you're a Christian or not, look, we went through this in the faith uh, series. Um, We've been through this time and time again, and yet here's the reality, is you need to hear more Jesus. You need to hear about him more. You need to have him handed over to you more. If there's a time where you're doubting whether you can be forgiven, you need to be reminded of that forgiveness and you need the right people in your life to be reminding you of that forgiveness. That's why when it's a rough week, Tara comes to me and says those very words to me. Wait, you are forgiven. And it's not coming from her. Those are the words that Jesus gave to her to speak. If you love me, you will hold tightly to my words. It's everything that Jesus is saying to us. This changes the way that we treat one another. Uh, We see that, we saw that already in the way that Jesus has been defining love. Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Hey, in a marriage, how do you make sure that the love is real? (laughs) What if the feeling goes away? Right? What if the honeymoon ends? Well, there's a remedy to that. It's the giving of yourself. That's actually the definition of love that Jesus gives to us. It's the pouring out of yourself for another. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what's one of the ways then that we have been called to love one another, those in our household, our neighbor? Well, Jesus tells us there's no greater love than this that you would give your life for a friend. There's no greater love than this. I'm not talking about stepping in front of a bullet for someone, although it might be that. More specifically, you might be concerned by what I'm saying because it sounds like giving all of yourself and having nothing left. Yes. Why? Because it's when we have nothing left that we truly understand our need our need of Jesus and clinging tightly to him and his words. Yeah? And so, if we want to ask what love is, what it looks like, what it sounds like, it looks like the constant giving away of yourself. And this is what Jesus is calling us to this morning as well. If that seems daunting, it's because it is, okay? You know this. You know this in your own household, what it feels like to give continuously. The more children you have, too. (laughs) You feel it, right? That life force bleeding out of you. It's true. It's what happens. And yet the comfort in our passage this morning is simple. Jesus does not leave you alone.
He doesn't leave you on empty. He gives Himself to each of you. He does that each and every day. He does that through His Word. And I pray for you that He's doing that through your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you. And we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we have in this word this morning the sureness of your presence. And we have the sureness of our resurrection. God, your disciples, Jesus, your disciples here knew that your presence was important. And they were certain that they were going to have it forever, but they didn't know what that looked like. And Lord, we thank you right now that we have your presence through your Holy Spirit. And we thank you that we have the guarantee of your presence at your right hand forever. We thank you, Jesus, for your life for us, your death for us, and your resurrection for us. And we thank you that you have given us that comforter, that counselor, that helper, that advocate who is always there speaking on our behalf, praying for us the prayers that we can't utter, constantly handing over to us the assurance of our faith, and constantly pointing us back to you. It's in Jesus' name we thank you and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.